The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to michiganradio.org. I'll call back to order our CDBG hearings. Uh, if the clerk will please call the roll. Councilmember Scott Benson. Scott Benson, aye. Councilmember Fred Durhall III. Present. Councilmember Letitia Johnson. Present. Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Present. Councilmember Mary Waters. Present. Councilmember Angela Whitfield Calloway. Councilmember Coleman Young II. Council Pro Tem James Tate. Council President Mary Sheffield. Present. You have a quorum present. All right. Thank you. Thank you. We have it, Amber. Thank you. All right, there being a quorum present, we are now in session, and we will turn it right over to you, uh, Mr. Gulak, for the overview. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Yeah, today we're, we're here to just give an overview of the NOF program, and then at 2.05, you're supposed to have a public hearing just on NOF where any group or the public could speak on NOF. And then at 2.10 is the appeals hearing, and that is just limited to groups who applied for NOF but were recommended for zero. Um, and I'm not sure if you're supposed to call those hearings and adjourn them to the call of the chair. I just thought I'd point that out. It's up to the you and the parliamentarian, I guess. I, I don't see Dr. Powers here, um, but I'm sure that is correct. So I will call now to order our 205 public hearing and recess that to the call of the... Yes, Dr. Powers? I was only going to say that on the uh, agenda that I printed out, I didn't even have a public hearing listed. So I'll was there another revised one sent out? No, it actually doesn't say public hearing either. Uh, the 2 p.m. is an overview. The 205 right. states a hearing. Uh, I, I'll, I'll go back and check now, but uh, all I have is the 2 p.m. listed on my agenda. But you obviously will go with what you have in front of you. Okay, so but I'll just the, call the, the 205 yeah. hearing. Is that okay? And recess that to the you, call of you, the chair. If it exists, yes, ma'am. Yeah, it shows on ours, and Director Todd is nodding his head as well. So I will well, call the 205 uh, hearing and then recess that. We'll call it first. And then recess our 205 hearing to the call of the chair. And then also call our uh, 2... I'm sorry, yeah, our 210 uh, public appeals hearing. And then recess that as well to the call of the chair. And we can go back now to our uh, two o'clock overview with Mr. Gulak. Thank you, Madam Chair. Yes, to here, to, we're here today to um, discuss the uh, NOF and NOF is Neighborhood Opportunity Fund. The council's been doing this uh, with the administration back to the 19, late 1970s. Um, this is part of the Community Development Block Grant, which is CDBG, and that's a federal program that gives grants to cities across the country to, um, to address uh, uh, community redevelopment. Um, so today we're here to talk about the public service recommendations and uh, the council would be asked then to make recommendation on Tuesday in the form of resolution. And then that would, those recommendations would be folded into the, um, the city budget, which will be discussed in the next uh, two months. So as I stated, the CDBG is a federal program. Uh, Detroit receives funding based on a formula, based on population uh, uh, and, and other issues, uh, poverty level, et cetera. 
the funds are awarded through the Department of Housing and Urban Development, which is HUD. And the, the lead agency for the block grant administration is Housing and Revitalization, which is HRD. So today we're here just to focus on public service. Uh, this year, the administration did not release a public facility rehab um, application like last year. Uh, I think the HRD is currently uh, revamping that program or studying it, how to make it, how to improve it. So there, um, there's no PFR for council to review this year. Uh, the budget may have a PFR pot of money, but we'll have to see uh, when the budget is released uh, next week. Um, also related to NOF is, is, is the Homeless Solutions Funding, um, and that includes two programs, Homeless Public Service, HPS, and Emergency Solutions Grants, ESG. Uh, that used to be done as a part of NOF, then we separated it so the HPS could be reviewed as part of ESG, uh, but the HRD is asking that be brought to council after budget in April, so council will be asked to go through a similar process with uh, looking at the different group recommendations at the end of April. Um, public service is uh, a part of, it's allowed as part of the CDBG HUD grant, uh, but there's a federal rule that only 15% of the CDBG allocation, which is I think about $30 million plus or minus, can be used for public service. So that's been in place a long time. It cannot be changed. Uh, I think the temptation there is HUD wants some of the most of the money to be spent on bricks and mortar. And um, so there is a there is restrictions that the, the city must follow. And, and that PS cap also includes the homeless public service and anything spent on pub, anything designated public service. Um, so HRD is estimating the public service cap this year to be about 2.5 million. Um, if we receive less or more money from HUD, then uh, usually the HRD, the administration will come back to council in the spring to try to tweak the numbers to reflect what the allocation was. Um, the CPC staff did submit to council in the last two weeks, uh, an overview report, which I'm um, giving right now. And then there's a chart, um, which, uh, we submitted to council and to all the groups who applied in the last two weeks. Uh, I believe Director Todd has extra copies if, if folks in the room need it there. Um, but the chart's important because it's similar to last year. It's created by HRD and it, it lists all the groups who applied. It lists um, a description of what they're asking for. Um, it gives how much they requested and how much they were funded last year if, they're, if they applied last year. And then it gives a re recommendation from the HRD, and then it gives a recommendation from the mayor, which I think is this year is the same. And then the Planning Commission reviewed this chart uh, back at its meeting in January, and it did not make any changes. And then now it's forwarded to State Council for your consideration. So the chart has a column for the council to fill in. Um, if a group was not recommended, there's a there, there's listed in the comments a reason for uh, not recommended any funding. Uh, for outreach every year is important, and I think council asked, you know, HRD last budget, you know, if they could uh, if, improve their outreach even more, you know, through through you know uh, cable and news reach outreach. So um, similar to previous years, in July HRD did have a best practices forum where they invite all the groups to apply to learn how to improve their um, proposals, you know, how to work with the city computer system at at OCP. 80, and that had 82 participants. 
Uh, HRD also held their two annual workshops, one in August, one in early September, to walk through for groups on how to fill out the proposal. And that had uh, 250 participants at one and 145 at the other. And that's also available on the city's YouTube channel. If a group missed the workshop, they're still allowed to uh, view the workshop online. Uh, we're also aware that HRD did improve their outreach. Uh, I think they reached out to many council offices to be at their monthly meetings in the summer. We did see some Don Cass Department of Neighborhoods uh, had some uh, HRD uh, presentations on the NOF proposal writing processes. So it's similar to previous years, um, Detroit has five different categories for NOF and it's public safety, senior, education, recreation, and health. This is similar to the last several years. So groups, when they apply, they can pick one of pick one or more of these categories, I believe. So this year, um, the applications were due, I believe, uh, the beginning of October, and the city received 47 applications, um, which is similar to the amount uh, the city received last year. Um, and this included 10 new groups, which is, is more than usual. So the good news is it did include um, some new groups. Um, the, the threshold, so the, as I stated, HRD releases with OCP, Office of Contracting and Procurement, an RFP or a NOFA to the groups. And um, for the last at least 20 plus years, the city has included criteria. And a lot of these are to uh, comply with HUD's requirements but also best practices for contracts. So um, thresholds are important. I believe there's 12 of them, um, or they're called threshold criteria. Um, so there's some criteria that are not threshold. For example, you're, you're supposed to submit three letters of support to show that you have support from the community. If you're missing a letter, that's not, if you're missing one of the three, if you have two, that's not a threshold, but that, that could score the group lower. So. The threshold, I'll go over them real quick. You know, you must meet HUD's national objectives. You must attend one of the workshops, either virtually or in person. Uh, the proposal must be complete. You, you can't leave large portions of it blank. Uh, if you have one set, one one question that's blank, you you get scored down. But if there's substantial parts missing, like the budget, you would be uh, deemed not meeting threshold. Uh, you must have a five-member board that meets biannually. Uh, you must be a 51C3. If you're not a 51C3, I think you can partner is it with a fiduciary, but that is important to be a 51C3 or a 501C19. Um, you must be in an operation for at least two years. Um, uh, NOF is really not for startup groups. That's more for groups that are established because it's fairly complicated and it's a reimbursement system where you must uh, on a monthly basis, you know, pay for your you pay for your services, and the city reimburses you, and that's part of the HUD requirement. So, the city doesn't give you the money up front. Um, you must not have any unresolved audit findings. You must have uh, ca some cash flow statements from the bank. Um, and then there's a lot of requirements that a lot of these groups, if they're five one c three or nonprofit, they must be registered with the IRS or the state of Michigan, and and the application asks for proof of those uh, documents, and that's. One of the most common things I think the groups miss every year is not giving us the right form or it's an outdated form. So, but these are forms that the city asks from, you know, the state of Michigan and IRS. Um, and then you have to do various signatures that you, you know, you'll meet, you'll meet the state 
church separation requirements and that the board of director knows that this application is, I mean, the chairman of the board knows that the application is being submitted. Um, and then one of, one of the criteria is you must have show at least some money in the bank, you know, 7% uh, of your request, if you're asking for $100,000, you must show receipts that you have at least $7,000 in the bank, uh, just to show that you're a viable organization that can handle the reimbursement process. That's the threshold criteria. Um, the next one is, is called, is a scoring criteria grid shown on the screen here. Uh, HRD has developed an elaborate scoring grid um, for each section. So the proposal, you know, has about, is four main sections. One is background, but one is um, what do you want the money for? And then there's the budget. And so they have a scoring uh, grid for each question in each section. So each section of the four sections is about 20 or 25 points. Um, so um, each question has a score associated with it. Um, let's see. Um, so for example, you know, do you have a board of directors that has representatives from the city of Detroit? You know, if there's none, you could be scored lower, like out of five points, you could get a one. But if you have a good representation of Detroiters, you might get a five. So uh, they do have an elaborate scoring grid that is uh, shared with all the uh, staff who score the proposals. Um, so similar to previous years, uh, there, there's actually this year, there's three main groups that were reviewing the proposals. Uh, so one is the, uh, is the uh, HRD department, housing and redevelopment, and then the LPD CPC staff is the second. And then the other one is the Office of Development and Grants. And then OCP, Office of Contract and Procurement, was more of an overseer of the scoring, but the, it was mostly the three main departments. Each received all 47 proposals and scored them separately. And then the three departments met in teams to score each proposal. Um, so this year, there was 12 not of the 47, 30, the good news is 35 are recommended, but the bad news is 12 or not. And of the 12, it was deemed that seven did not meet threshold where they were missing one of those 12 items. Uh, five met all the threshold, but they scored below 80 points. In the last several years, 80 points is kind of considered the cutoff for 80 and up could be recommended, but 80 below 80 would be not recommended. Um, and this gives a summary of who, of who applied. Of the 47 proposals, public safety only had two proposals. That's similar to previous years. Um, there's not a lot of groups out in the city there that ask for public safety funding. And two were recommended, so um, of those two. Uh, senior, there were eight proposals this year. And of the eight, six were recommended and two were not. Uh, for education, uh, 22 were um, proposals were submitted, 19 were recommended, three were not recommended. For recreation, we only had nine this year, four were recommended and five were not recommended. And lastly, health, there were six proposals and four were recommended and two were not. So in summary, 35 were recommended, 12 were not. Um, this year of the 47, as I said, 10 were new and of the 10, four uh, are being recommended for funding. And we'll uh, highlight some of those on the chart as we walk through the chart. Um, and let's see, so that concludes uh, my basic overview. I can um, 
turn it over to uh, HRD if they want to give any opening remarks. But um, the, the next step after this is, is probably to, to walk through the chart. Hmm. It's up to Director Todd as well. Uh, we have to decide too if we want to walk through the chart um, at this point with the overview. Um, uh, I did want to point out we did receive um, five appeals uh, through uh, our office emails. And uh, so we do have five um, um, appeals, and I can go over those at the 210 hearing. Uh, but as Director Todd said, groups are allowed to fill out a form. If they miss, if they didn't email it, they could fill it out in person and hand it in. Or uh, they, if they speak at the appeals hearing, they can also email it us to today. And then, the, and then uh, we'll talk about that more when the appeals process happens. But uh, I think I'll turn it over to HRD if they have anything they want to add about um, the process and how we got to this point today. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Mr. Gula. Uh, Ms. Hardy, are you on? Hi, good afternoon to the chair. Yes, I am on. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I think that uh, Christopher Gulak from LPD did an excellent job of going through and providing additional information related to our scoring process and the organizations that we are presenting. We are happy to be here today again in 2023, 2024 to present those applications to you and I have nothing else to add. I would like to bring in my colleague, Gordon Pearson, who works alongside me to score these applications and to bring them before your body for review and approval. And I'll turn it over to Gordon if he has any additional information that he would like to present. All right. Uh, thank you, Tamara. Um, I don't have any additional information at this time. Um, I would highlight the four groups that, the four new groups that were awarded um, this year was Give Merit in Education, uh, Detroit Phoenix Center, and Education Brilliant Detroit from Education, and Detroit Horsepower from Recreation Category. Uh, and that's all I have. Thank you. All right, great. Thank you all for the presentation. Um, and Mr. Gulak, if you can uh, make sure you send over the presentation to City Council that you presented today that has the scoring criteria that was used. Uh, that would be very helpful. Thank you. Um, and then one quick question before we go over the chart to Ms. Hardy. Uh, just curious if we have the opportunity this year. I know last year um, a couple of groups that were not funded, we were able to use ARPA dollars to create another round of NOF for uh, additional groups to be able to have access to funding. Is that something that we could consider again this year for groups that may have had a decent score or, or at least over the 80 uh, threshold or scoring criteria uh, to create a process for them to get additional funds through ARPA? Through the chair, I would say that a lot of the organizations that applied for funding for 23-24, uh, CDBG did apply for the ARPA funding. We are in the process of reviewing those applications for those groups that, for whatever reason, do not meet the qualifications for NOF ARPA for the first round, we will encourage them to apply for the second round of funding. So yes, to your answer, many of those organizations have applied for that. And we hope to have a list of those organizations that we're gonna recommend for funding that uh, sometime to you in early April, late April. Okay, so the same groups that have applied here have also applied many for them. ARPA. So if it doesn't work here, they may have a route through ARPA as well. Correct. And we won't that know is that going to uh, April. 
We will not, we're in the process of reviewing those applications now. Yes. Okay. 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 Um, all right. I'm sure there'll be more, more questions, but before we proceed, uh, Director Todd, did you want to go through the chart now at this point? What is the best course of action now? Madam, <clears throat> excuse me, Madam Chair, Council Members, uh, it is entirely up to you. If okay. you'd like the summary of the chart right sure. now, certainly I think that would benefit the waiting audience as well. All right. Uh, Mr. Gulag, let's go through the chart. Okay. Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, um, I apologize. The chart uh, can be hard to read at times, but the good news is there's only five pages. So I'll try to do a quick uh, <laughs> summary of each page. Um, and as I said, Director Todd might have some extra copies there. I'll try to go through each page. And then if you have any questions, just please jump in. Um, but the first page, you know, you'll see the public safety is at the top. Uh, on the far left, you'll see the category. So the first page is public safety. As I said, there's only two groups applying and they're both recommended for funding. Um, the next category is senior on the first page, and there's uh, eight Mr. groups. Mr. Gulag, would you mind just yes. stating the organizations so that oh, sure. people can't see the chart? So if you can just okay. state for okay. the public, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, and public safety, we had two groups applied. The first was uh, Neighborhood Legal Services of Wayne County, and they're recommended for 65000 And the second one is Jefferson East, Inc. Uh, they're also recommended for 60000 the next major category is senior. We had eight groups apply and six are recommended for funding. Uh, the first is, uh, and you'll notice that they're listed by uh, by a fund uh, top to bottom from funding amounts. So usually the groups who scored the highest get the most recommended funding. So you'll see, for example, the first group is St. Patrick's Senior Center, which scored 100 and it's being recommended for 90. And then it goes down from there. Uh, but St. Patrick is recommended for uh, 90,000. Uh, Luella Hannon Memorial is recommended for 81,000. Uh, Bridging Communities is recommended for 74,000. Uh, Lasette is recommended for 70,000. And then Delray United Action Council is recommended for 70,000. And then Matrix Human Services is recommended for 65,000. So those are the six. Then there's two not recommended. Uh, the first one is Disability Network, and that was not for threshold, but for low score, that group scored a 68. Uh, the, sec the last group on senior was uh, Second Chance Covenant Ministry, and that was recommended zero. Um, it, did, uh, it did have a low, uh, I should mention that the groups were, even if they were missing threshold, they were also scored uh, in case the threshold items were found later. So uh, this group did have a low score, but it was missing, um, they only had four board members, but it did score a 52, so it had a low score. Uh, are there any questions on the first page that I could try to answer? I don't see any questions uh, at this time, so you can proceed. Okay, the next. Looks like he is frozen. Through the chair, I can, this is um, Tamara Hardy. I can take up for where he left off until he comes back in. All right, thank you. Okay, so starting at the education category, and um, forgive me, I have to look left because I have my other screen. Um, we have several organizations that came in and did meet threshold as well as received the score that was necessary to receive funding. 
You have Wellspring that received at 100 points that we're recommending at $90,000. The International Institute of Metropolitan Detroit, they received a score of 100, we're recommending at $90,000. We have Mercy Education Project, they received a score of 96, we're recommending for $77,410. Center for Employment Opportunities, they received a score of 96, we're recommending for $77,410. Dominican Literacy, they received a score of 96, we're recommending for $77,410. Give Merit, received a score of 96, we're recommending for $77,410. Detroit Phoenix Center, scored a 95, we're recommending for $77,410. <clears throat> and Urban Neighborhood Initiative received a 93, a recommendation for $70,000, Accounting Aid Society, a 92, a recommendation for $70,000. Sir Metro Detroit, 92, a recommendation of $70,000. St. Vincent and Sarah Fisher Center, 91, recommendation for $70,000. The Youth Connection, 91, recommendation of $70,000. Southwest Economic Solutions Corporation, they rescored a 90, recommendation for $70,000. Siena Literacy Center, they scored a 90, a recommendation of $70,000. Brilliant Detroit scored an 89, a recommendation for $65,000. Detroit Area Pre-College Engineering Program, DAPSEP, scored an 86, a recommendation for $65,000. Family Assistance for Renaissance Men, uh, they scored 84 with a recommendation of 60,000. And then the Greening of Detroit came in at 85 with a recommendation of $65,000. And I believe the final one for education is CAS Community Social Services with an 83.5 points with a recommendation of $60,000. That concludes our organizations that we are recommending. We have Boys Hope, Girls Hope of Detroit that came in with a score of 67. They did not meet threshold and they had a low score. Sisters reaching out, scored 63. They did not meet threshold um, and looks like they had a low score as well. And then Soar Detroit only scored 19 points. They did not meet threshold and had an incomplete application. That makes up the entire education section of recommendations. The one thing that I would point out to you is that you will note that many of the organizations are coming in with much higher scores than they have in the past. And I believe that's strictly due to the fact of the time that we are, are taking now to provide that additional TA, as well as them attending the workshops and really following our instruction on what they can do to score better, to make sure that they meet the qualifications for receiving this grant. Moving on, I don't see that uh, Chris Gulak has joined us again, so I will continue with the recreation category. With the recreation category, we have Detroit Horsepower that scored the 95. We're recommending for $81,410. This is a new organization. It is the very first time they ever applied for the grant, so I'm excited that they came in with such a high score. Oh, uh, Clark Park Coalition, 
They scored a 90, we're recommending at $74,000. Southwest Detroit Business Association scored 86, we're recommending $60,000. Cody Rouge Community Action Alliance scored 85, we're recommending at $65,000. And then we have uh, two organizations, no, let me see, three organizations, it looks like Teen Height Youth Development, um, they scored 85, but they did not meet threshold. And the rationale, uh, what they're missing, it looks like they did not include their nonprofit annual report, their articles of incorporation, their certificate of good standing, and their nonprofit designation that was not included with their application. So they did not meet threshold. Um, Mosaic Youth Theater scored at 85. They did not meet threshold for many of the same reasons, nonprofit annual report, their certificate of the standing, their nonprofit designation letter, we did not receive, so they are not being recommended for funding. Detroit PAL received a 78. They did not meet threshold. They did not submit their nonprofit annual report, and they had a low score. Akibalon Village scored a 78. They had a low score. They did not meet threshold. And then Coleman A. Young Foundation scored the 75. They did not meet threshold due to low score. That is the combination of all the organizations that applied for recreation category funding. Moving on to the health category. Madam President. Yes. Should we be looking at questions now between categories or should we wait until the end? Yeah, we only have one category left. So if we can finish this one and then we can just open it up to uh, questions from com uh, council members. Great. Right ahead. Thank you. With the health category, uh, we have My Community Dental Center that scored a 97. They were recommended for funding for $81,410. Project Healthy Community scored 95.5. They were recommended for $81,410. World Medical Relief scored 94. They were recommended for $74,000. And Joy Southfield CDC scored an 83.5. They were recommended for $60,000. Those are the three organizations in the health category, excuse me, four organizations in the health category that were, were recommended for funding. We have two organizations that were not recommended and that's Camp Restore. They scored a, a 74. They did not meet threshold. They were missing documentation that was required for funding. <laughs> and Bailey Park Neighborhood Development scored a 66. They had a low score. They did not meet threshold. That concludes the total funding uh, recommendations. Again, for 23-24, we had two public safety proposals. Two are recommended for funding. Seniors, eight. Applications were received, six are recommended for funding. Education, 22 applications were received, 19 recommended for funding. Recreation, nine applications received, four recommended for funding. Health, six applications received, four recommended for funding with a total of 47 applications, 35 recommended for funding at a total of $2,524,691. The new applicants were 10, four were recommended for funding, 12 did not meet threshold, and five were not recommended due to low score. All right, thank you so much, Ms. Hardy. 
And uh, we will go now to questions from council members, uh, starting with member Durhall, followed by member um, Benson. Thank you, Madam President, and uh, good afternoon to you all. Uh, first, let me say it, it is great to see that the scores are rising, um, you know, more so than last year. We saw, obviously, a lot more denials uh, when it came to CDBG. I, I know some of that is from efforts. My first question is, uh, again, um, and I think we talk about this each and every year uh, when we talk about criteria. I know you guys have workshops. Uh, I know that you guys have been increasing the outreach, um, and this is unrelated, but when we did, for council districts, we were talking about the NOF ARPA funding, right? I think that was just a really great job, uh, and I can at least speak for my district, for the participation that we had prior to the application being released, uh, engaging with the public so they really understood what the process is. I have not had the opportunity to attend uh, a CDBG workshop as of yet, but I guess it's just my hope that we're going to do those same type of things in the council district next year before this CDBG rolls around, something similar that we did with those individual council districts for the ARPA, you know, uh, ARPA Neighborhood Opportunity Fund um, uh, bucket of, of dollars. Um, and reason being, like I look at a group like uh, Mosaic Youth Theater, uh, I guess I have a concern, and I know we are required uh, by HUD by you know for these funding, for the for these funds to meet those thresholds um, with the nonprofit annual report, articles of incorporation, certificates of good standing, nonprofit designation. We haven't heard from them as yet, as well as another group I have a concern of, which is Detroit PAL. But I, I think we had those talks last year relative to the software. There was a barrier that exists, you know, sometimes they weren't receiving applications. Sometimes, um, you know, maybe folks thought they submitted an application or submitted their application or submitted this information or these documents, but the system didn't take it. What are we looking like this year relative to those type of issues? Uh, through the chair, I can't speak directly for what happened with the uh, Office of Contracting and Procurement. I can say that any organizations whose applications or documentations were not received, we reached out to those organizations and did give them time to submit any missing documentation that we noted, or if they reached out to us and said, listen, I tried to get this document in, it did not go in. Any organization that reached out to us that made note to the Office of Contracts and Procurement that a document did not go through, we reached out to that organization and gave them time to submit that documentation. Through you, Madam President, a follow-up. Mm -hmm. um, what, and so knowing that, you know, maybe we reached out to them saying, hey, we're missing this information, you had the opportunity to get this in. What does that time threshold look like? I'm sorry, you're muted. Or... It shows that you're unmuted, but we cannot hear you. Oh, wow. There we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> um, through the chair, we, I believe the threshold of time was 28 to 48 hours that the Office of Contracting and Procurement allowed those organizations to submit the re, uh, documentation that they noted that did not go through the Oracle system. Okay. And just so I, I'm aware and everyone's aware of the process, 
when this information is not submitted in the time between those 28 to 48 hours, what happens then? Is there another reach out saying, hey, you know, you, we haven't received it as of yet. Yeah, 28 to 48 hours is the last call. You know, get this in. Like, what, what, is, what is the process at that point? Through the chair, I would have to uh, refer that to the Office of Contracting and Procurement. I'm not 100% sure of what their process is. Generally, we wait to receive that documentation. If they don't submit it in that time frame, there is another outreach to that, a reach out to that organization to say, we still haven't received your documentation. But again, I would have to refer that to the Office of Contracts and Procurement, specifically to our buyers, so that they could respond to that question. Madam President, through you, do we have somebody from the Office of uh, Contract and Procurement on? Um, I don't. Do we have someone from OCP, Mr. Washington? Good afternoon. Um, Director Stahl is joining now. All right. I'm sure it may just be just a moment. I believe she was stepping out of a meeting. Okay. You want to come back? Madam President, if I, I can, yep. you know, I, I, if you recognize me after other questions I definitely are asked, will. I would love to follow up. Yep. Thank no you, problem. Madam President. All right. Thank you, uh, Member Dorha. Member Benson. All right. Thank you. Um, and thank you all for being here and putting all this time, energy, and effort into making sure that our groups uh, get the funding that they need. Uh, concern for me, looking at number 40 on page i think that the page numbers are hard to see i think it's page four or five um under recreation at Kibalong village mm -hmm. the number that came in score was 78 uh, but then looking that these are scored subjectively and you've got three different groups that are scoring when you you missed the cut by two percent uh, you dropped 22 percent but you just missed a cut by two percent I mean, how are we reconciling a subjective scoring variance? So if OCP scores, their five would be a three for somebody. HRD scores, their six would be a, a eight for somebody else. How are we reconciling that? It's just missing the cut by 2% is just really, really close. I just want to verify that we're reconciling a difference when you don't have the same person or same group of people reviewing the applications. Through the chair, I will note that we scored the application, not the applicant. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that we are guided by the scoring grid. That scoring grid is, and, and based on that scoring grid, and I'm going to turn this over to Gordon Pearson that can explain the scoring grid. It is not based on anything except did the organization answer the question and did they answer it based on these scoring criteria? And so, for example, uh, you can get up to five points on a particular question. With that particular question, they get the entire five points, entire five points if they answer the question in its entirety. If they miss any information, for example, question one clearly says, attach, uh, fill out, answer the question related to your organization. Give us a description of your organization. If, and then provide us with data 
to support your claims. If you say that you're serving 100 people and 95 of them uh, lost weight because it's an an exercise program, show us the data that supports your claim. Show us the data that you're doing exactly what you're saying you're doing in your community. And you can get a total of five points with this question. This is just hypothetical. Um, The one organization answers the question completely. They give us all the information that we're asking for in the question. But um, organization B comes and they don't completely answer the question. They may tell us a little bit about their organization. They don't give us any backup information. They don't give us any data. Uh, They they don't uh, include critical information that it helps us to determine whether the organization has the capacity to, to complete and do the work that they're saying they're going to do in the grant then that organization, instead of receiving five points, would receive three. If the organization doesn't answer the question at all, they receive a zero. And so we base our response on how they respond on the application based on the scoring grid. And with that, I'm going to turn it over to Gordon so he can explain uh, a little deeper what that scoring grid looks like. And uh, I believe Chris um, Gulak is back. Chris, if you could pull that scoring grid back up, that would be very helpful. And then quickly before Thank we go you. on, do we have mm-hmm. access to see the actual scores and how they were scored, the groups? I'll pass that to Director Todd. And we did have a slight conversation with, with uh, Christopher Gulak on LPD in the practice of sharing those scores or uh, the individual details of the scores with a uh, council. I don't know if we do that. I thought we did, but uh, I'll pass that to Chris Gulak and Director Todd and LPD. Director Todd. Thank you, Madam President. Through you to Member Benson. Uh, In the past, of course, we have been cautious about providing this material, but certainly if council members would like to receive it, we can provide it on a one-on basis. One-on-one basis. The reason why we're cautious is because we would not like to have that scoring in any way being made public hurt an organization's chances with some other funding group because of what may be there. All right, thank you. And so then how do we, before we go on, how do we go about getting a copy, doing the one-on-one to see this? Again, through the chair, if if, if you want to formally make the request, then I believe HRD can then provide that uh, either via email or if there's limitations on that, we can provide you with a hard copy. All right, is that I'll I'll defer to Ms. Fontaine in terms of what HRD's preferred practice would be on that. Through the chair, we're happy to share the scores of the individuals uh, that they received on the application. We would not, however, be able to provide the application. Okay, so then the suggestion was that this would be a formal request. How do we make a formal request? Through the chair, I would say that you make a formal request through a memo to the director of the Housing and Revitalization Department, which is Julie Schneider. Okay. All right, and then, and so still looking at the, this is a subjective review, although there is a scoring grid and a guide. If you have three different groups during that scoring, how do you reconcile that? Because some person's five may still be some person's three. Because we review through the chair, we use the scoring grid to determine how we're going to score those applications. There are a group of people in a room who have been deemed and have been received training to score those applications. We all have been trained to review them the exact same way. So there is no large variations. 
We can't say that nothing is perfect, everything is perfect, but we can say that if we follow the scoring grid, we follow the training on how we're going to score those applications, the variance of one or one person scoring one way as opposed to the other way is very, is reduced, is very, very low. And so we use that scoring grid to ensure that we are not uh, imp uh, implementing any variances or any type of um, information that should not be there. Excuse me, I'm, my words are getting confused, but we're not using anything outside of the scoring grid to make those scores. So yes, there is a possibility there may be some variance, but that's why we have the consensus meeting because we come together in the consensus and we ensure that we are all on the same page we're with that particular score. So no, when you say that maybe one person scoring this way, maybe another person scoring that way, we come together and there is a consensus that is made according to our procurement rules in the Office of Contracts and Procurement to ensure that there are no variances in that score and that we're all scoring the same way. Okay, so that would tell me then that maybe after HRD scores a group of applicants, that that score or those applications will be handed over to another group so they could review just to have consensus that there is no scoring variance? Because what I heard you say was that there is a very low chance of scoring variance. A scoring variance here, statistically, 2% is very low, but it still, in this situation, makes you get to, gets you to a point where you don't meet threshold. So my point is, even though it's very low, with a 2% drop, you've now worked yourself out of being eligible for funding to not being eligible, and that's a very, very small window. Which can be accounted for via a scoring variance. Each, through the chair, each of the groups of reviewers comes to a consensus. Once that consensus is reached, we meet together, review the consensus, and make sure that those applications and those questions have been scored properly. Based on that consensus group, based on our procurement policies and regulations, we score those applications based on that to ensure there's no irregularities or uh, differences in the scoring with those individuals so that we can be sure that we're scoring them the same as a whole. So there may be individuals that may score different, but we come together to ensure there is consensus and that we are meeting the score and we're agreeing on that score before we leave that meeting. So you're saying that two sets of eyes are do hit each yes. application? More Four oh. sets of eyes are looking at the application. Okay, so once somebody scores it, then, then it's reviewed again to prevent Correct. any issue. Okay, that's very good, Correct. good to hear. Um, and then looking at, and this is what the president alluded to, last year we opened up an application process for the ARPA funding for ideally smaller groups, very grassroots groups, who wouldn't typically be eligible in this area. We have a number of groups who do fantastic work. I'm looking at Akibalon Village. They support 75 students in very, very vulnerable neighborhood and charge nothing. Um, and for a year at, at $106,000, you're looking at $1,400 a year per student. And now they've lost that money. And so the $20,000 ARPA funding, that would nowhere near make, make up for that. And we're looking at those groups who didn't get funded last year who were put in the pot for this current $20,000 ARPA CDBG-like program. 
and now we're down two years with this group and the ability maybe to get $20,000, which would support, based on this program, less than 20 students. So how do we get groups who are doing this fantastic type of work who, for me, a 2% loss, I just would really hope to see this get rescored just to verify again on 2% that we didn't miss anything, but to lose 75 kids, recreation, one of our most vulnerable communities, don't charge these children for after-cool school support, and we know the witching hour for youth of this age group is after school. They've lost that opportunity. Now they have the opportunity for mischief and mayhem versus having a, a good, productive program for them to attend, not to get into mischief. Don't want to lose a whole generation of kids for two points. Yes, through the chair, I'd like to say that I share your concern with Alcubalon not being funded. Uh, they, they are a wonderful organization. Again, we don't score and we don't make recommendation based on the organization itself. We make recommendation based on the application itself. Mm -hmm. What does that mean? We would love for Alcubalon to meet with us, to go over their application, to give them feedback on how they can do the application better. We've reached out to Alkibalan several times and invited them to the table to go through the application to take to get feedback from us and technical assistance on how they can improve their application score. We extend that opportunity to them even today. They can come to us like many of the organizations that have now are now scoring at a higher uh, rate to come meet with us so that they can get the tips and the TA that they need so that they can get this funding. It is an application. Alkibalon has been a part of this application process for well over seven years. They've received funding, and over the last couple of years, they have not because of their application and because their application has not scored well because they, um, of some of the technical issues related to them completing that application. We are welcome, they are welcome to come sit with us and we will work with them to do a better job in completing this application. Okay. Which is what we do for every organization that reaches out to us. And so Kibalon's not the only one, although that is very near and dear to my heart. They're in the third okay. district. These are a group of my bosses. But I also see Powell here, I see Mosaic yeah. here, as stated by my colleague. And so just really concerned that we are losing critical groups who provide critical services here. Um, some didn't make the cut because they didn't provide the proper documentation, but when we're, we're dropping by 2% the low threshold. That, that's a significant issue for me. Yeah. That really, could, I believe, could be made up with a, uh, well, I'm not sure how it could be made up, but just wanted to really just identify that and hoping that we are looking at how we can support these groups and 20,000 versus 100 is not going to get it done. Through the chair, I agree with you. These they are critical groups that will not be funded this uh, for 23-24. But I'd like to add that we have other critical groups that were brought in that are uh, uh, providing services to those same populations that have never been funded and scored very well on the application. And so it does it does require that the organization take time to fill out the application and score well by responding to all the questions by making sure that they answer the questions and leaving none of the questions blank. We are happy, again, to sit down with any organization that did not receive the required score or if they missed critical documents that needed to be submitted and they did not. But I am happy to say that we do have several new organizations that have never 
applied for this funding before and was they were able to receive a score of 90 and above and be let in and recommended for funding. We're happy to sit down with those who did not. All right, thank you. And I'll make sure I pass the information on to Kibalon Village. But it doesn't give my heart any solace to know that there are new groups and new kids being supported, knowing that I've lost 75 youth in one of the hardest hit, most vulnerable residents in the city of Detroit who will not receive this type of service, after school service, during the witching hours. I do not want to see a loss of a generation for two points, but I will definitely get with the Kibalon Village and have a very robust conversation about the need to reach out and take advantage of the technical assistance that you are providing and urging groups to take. Thank you. And through the chair, I would invite you also um, to invite those organizations that, uh, to, uh, those youth to take advantage of the new programs and the opportunities that are available in the community for those recreation groups that did receive funding. Um, we are always interested in making sure that organizations and those, the community takes uh, understands that there are other organizations within the city that are providing those activities as well, and they are welcome to uh, to visit with those organizations and continue to receive the services just from a different organization, but still continue to receive those services while we are working with Alkibalan to help them to get on bar and to be able to submit submit a quality application, quality application so that they can be funded. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Um, I think Director Stahl is online. I want to give the floor back to Member Durhaw so he can get his question um, responded to from the procurement department. Has she joined us? Like everybody. Uh, yes, Madam President. She is on. She just needs to turn on her camera. Um, Chair, I'm, I'm reaching out to the director now. Okay, so we'll come back to you. Uh, Member Waters, you were next. All right, thank you. Uh, thank you, Madam President. Um, I thought that we had a similar conversation last year where we talked about how we would engage these community organizations to help them uh, receive better scores. Mm -hmm. And... I'm asking if you, or maybe you already are, you could do something similar. I mean, just hold um, hold some sort of educational uh, workshop in advance so that they can understand how you score. I think these are the kinds of things that are missing, and it ought to be something that is mandatory that you do. Uh, that's one thing. The other thing I'd like to see you do if, uh, is to make sure that you um, help the smaller organizations become qualified for C CDBG uh, funding. Uh, maybe you already do that, but it would be certainly nice if some of the smaller um, organizations could participate. Those are two things. Now let me just ask you a couple of questions. Um, are there work performance sheets uh, detailed in um, in their community outreach, these organizations that re receive monies? That's the first question. Um, are there data sheets of service detailing how many residents receive assistance? Are there any complaints from residents about these programs? 
through the chair. Um, yes. So for number one, um, the sessions, we do our session, we do require that organizations that are applying for funding, they must attend the workshop. And on the application, they do have to show us the date that they attended that workshop. I will say that uh, for the 23-24 session, we held at least six sessions um, of workshops that we allowed organizations to come to and to participate in. Three of those were through the um, workshops that we had. And then myself and Gordon, we actually visited several different organizations and presented to those organizations. In addition, we presented at several of the um, council members' uh, um, districts as well so that they can have additional information. So any council member who would like for us to come and present at their district, we're welcome to do that. We did that with a couple of uh, council members this past year. Um, the smaller groups, that's one of the reasons why we created the Neighborhood Opportunity Fund ARPA program, is so that we will work with those organizations, providing them TA for one year, in addition to providing them some, with funding so that we can help to build the organization's capacity to receive funding from uh, CDBG. So that's one of our tenets of that organization is that we understand that the CDBG program is much larger and requires a lot more documentation and a lot more work that these smaller organizations just aren't set up to be able to handle. We understand that, so we're offering this program and we're hoping one of our goals is that once that program ends, that these smaller organizations will have the capacity not only to request funding and apply for funding for CDBG, but they will be at a place where they can uh, ask for funding and go to other organizations, whether it's philanthropic or, uh, or uh, for-profit organizations and ask for some type of funding. So yes, that is the case as well. As far as the work performance sheet, each organization is required to turn in um, monthly how they are performing. If they are meeting the requirements or meeting their scope of work through um, HUD. So we are collecting that data every single month. Along with that, we collect data to ensure that they're meeting the outcomes. If they say they're gonna serve 100 people, we want to see that they're serving that 100 people, as well as look at those outcomes to see who are you impacting? What um, individuals or residents in the city are you serving and how is it making a difference in that resident's life? And then finally, um, we have not received any complaints from any of the residents of the city of Detroit for any of the programs that we're currently running. We do three, um, monitoring sessions each year for those organizations. We do site visits, we do a desk monitoring, and we also do a full monitoring of that organization. We go directly to that organization and we assess whether the organization is meeting its requirements and meeting the scope of work that is set out to meet, both from a city perspective and from a HUD perspective. perspective. So yes, we are doing, we're doing that work as well. We are going to, as has been recommended, do more workshops in the city of Detroit through the district meetings for CDBG in the fall. So you can look forward to us doing that. We do see the benefit of meeting with all of the district meetings and announcing and providing additional feedback and information through that venue so that organizations understand the requirements that are necessary in order to get a CDBG grant. So we will be incorporating that as well. So I hope that answers your question. Um, 
Madam, Madam yes, President, all right, just one final question. And yes, yes, you did. You did a pretty good job of it at that. Um, what about the uh, at-large members? Can can we work with you as well? I mean, you, you mentioned you go into the various districts. We, you know, I'd like to do that. You know, host, do the uh, chair, host some definitely. sort of Yes, okay. Definitely. We're, right. we're happy to meet with any district or at-large district to um, provide information and TA to organizations that are interested in applying for funding. All right, great. Look forward to it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Madam President. Thank you, Member Waters. So just really quick before I go back to uh, Member Durha and the rest of the council members. Uh, and so I know that we are having trouble right now spending ARPA dollars. Uh, getting it out the door and spending it in a timely manner. And so I know uh, Member Benson had mentioned, I think you said 20000 per organization was under the original proposal for 22-23. Is there anything that prohibits City Council from allocating or prioritizing this as an initiative or a priority that we want to see um, additional uh, money go towards uh, these organizations for the purposes of them doing the work that they do uh, in our community? And so is there any way, I'm not sure if you all can answer this or this would be to uh, LPD, but can council through the budget amendment process say we want more ARPA dollars allocated towards this particular use? Through the chair, I believe that that's a conversation you would have to um, address to OCFO's office, um, but or through, uh, you may want to address it through Julie Schneider through the um, CD, um, HRD director as well, but I believe that you would probably have to take that through the OCFO's office. Okay, well that's something I'm, I really want to dig into a little bit deeper because I feel that if there's organizations who, you know, through technical issues, uh, high scores, I know, and I'm an advocate of course for Teen Hype, who I know is here and will speak, that is located in District 5, uh, does amazing work, and I wanted to hone in on what happened in that with that organization. Um, but if we have ARPA dollars uh, and we can't get them out the door, uh, we have organizations that are doing the work, I think that we could possibly allocate more of ARPA uh, dollars through the NOF process for uh, organizations that are doing uh, work in our community. My last quick question before I turn it back over is for Team Hype. I'm curious, it states here that applications that are missing non-threshold items are still eligible. Um, and this particular organization did not meet the threshold due to not having items that were submitted. Is that correct? But through they the scored chair that higher correct. than 80. They scored over the 80. Uh, through the chair, that is correct. They did not submit all the information that was required for threshold. Uh, I don't have exactly the entire list of documentation that was not there. Let's see. Yes, I do. Excuse me. Um, it looks like Teen Hype missed, and they've received funding from us for the, over the last couple of years as well. Right. Um, their Michigan uh, nonprofit annual report, their articles of incorporation, their certificate of good standing, the nonprofit designation, compliance point deduction was due to late invoices uh, consistently. So they received, uh, they did not meet threshold because many of their documents were missing. Okay. Not just one, but several of their documents were missing in the application. We did reach out to our um, buyer in OCP to ensure that those documents had not been misplaced or put into a different file. And she searched the documentation. Those documents were not found. Teen Hype did not reach back out to us to say that they were missing documents or that they had a, a difficult time uploading those documents. 
as you are aware, when the organization goes into um, Oracle, the information and the time that they go in is time stamped. They have up until the application closes to go back into the application and to assure that they've uploaded and documented sub submitting all of their required documents into Oracle. Uh, I will turn it over to uh, Director Ustaw to provide any additional information that she may have on this organization, but we did, the organization did not reach out to us to say that they were missing any documentation. Director Stahl. Uh, uh, through the chair, I, I don't have specific information on this particular organization. I do want to remind um, uh, everybody here in the Honorable uh, City Council that once we go above $25,000, um, other requirements do kick in, um, the clearances and affidavits and insurances and all of that. So um, just a consideration to keep in mind. Thank you. Um, okay, so I, I have additional questions about this organization, but I know they're here so they can speak as well too. Um, and so I will hold off because um, I'm just curious if they were to fix these issues, would we still be able to possibly shift and funding for this particular organization since it states that they are still eligible um, because um, non-threshold items were missing, they are still eligible. Is that accurate? Through the chair, it is not accurate. Okay. Once the application closes, if we don't hear from them and they don't reach out to us within the time frame designated through OCP, then the threshold is closed and they would not be let back into this application. Okay. They would have to reapply for the 24-25 funding okay. period. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, Member Dorha, I will turn it back over to you for uh, Director Stahl. Thank you, Madam President. I almost forgot the question, but... Uh, uh, I think our question, and I share similar sentiments uh, as Madam President when we talk about scoring. I look at the Mosaic Youth Theater just like teen hype and same type of thing. Score 85, which is a pretty decent score. Uh, so I do have concerns about that relative to the documentation. My question relates to that. I know we stated that when these denials happen, um, based off of th that information that is being needed, uh, we reach out to folks uh, and, and say, hey, you have 28 to, I think you said 24 to 48 hours to submit these documents. My question was, if they have not submitted them within that time frame, what happens after that? What's the process after that? What does OCP do after that? Do you notify uh, that organization again that those documents are missing and say, hey, last call, we need you to get these organ uh, get these documents in. We've given you 24 to 40 out 48 hours. Like, what is that process? And and as I'm speaking about it, we say 24 to 48 hours. Is it 48 hours? Is it 24 hours? What is that specific time as well? I meant to ask that question. Through the chair, we don't organizations that are missing critical documentation unless the organization reaches out to us to say that they experience some. <clears throat> technical issues with Oracle, we do not allow them to come back in once the application is closed. This is procurement regulations. We do not reach out to them unless they reach out to us to say they had Oracle challenges with their TA. If the organization contacts the Office of Contracts and Procurements and notifies them that they have some challenges, they're experiencing TA challenges, then we allow them time to submit that documentation. 
if they do not reach out to the Office of Contracts and Procurement, based on the fact that the, the application is open for a 30-day period, we outlined with the organizations prior to that once the application closes, they are not allowed to upload or to bring back any documentation that was missing from their application. Before they close that application, the, app, the organization can go back into Oracle and review to make sure that they submitted all the required documentation up until the application closes. If they notify the Office of Contracts and Procurement that they have, were experiencing technical issues, the Office of Contracts and Procurement will then allow them to submit that documentation. I'll, I'll turn it over to, um, to Director Ustall though. Right, through the chair. Um, that's correct. And um, normally we will review, apologize, we will review Oracle log history to, uh, to see did the organization make an attempt? Did they reach out through Oracle to indicate that they're having issues? Um, was there a draft uploaded? Um, and, uh, and so if we get um, a request after a bid has closed that they were experiencing technical issues, we review the Oracle history to see what happened and then make a determination if, if um, we should accept, uh, accept a bid. That, you know, it's the same bid rules for everybody that there is a timeline, uh, there is a deadline for submission. So let me get through you, Madam President. So let me give you a hypothetical just for clarity so I can wrap my mind around this. We're stating that we don't reach out to the folks who have applied, but it's up to them to reach out to OCP if they think that there may have been some breakdown in Oracle in submitting the application. And then we respond after that based off of a ticket request or whatever it may be uh, uh, for the submission of those documents, correct? Just so I'm making sure I'm clear before I proceed to my next comment or question. Yes, we, we usually do get people who reach out. So, um, you know, I haven't been here very long, um, but uh, for example, during the, uh, during the Jumpstart bid, you know, that was geared towards very small organizations. We got a number of organizations that reached out that said that they had technical difficulties that they had uploaded, but it didn't go through or there was a glitch and then we would go through. Um, and so normally they reach out immediately if, you know, they weren't able to get something in by the deadline and, and, and saw the bid close. Um, and so we work with them to look at what happened. So through you, Madam President. So let me ask, what happens in the event somebody submits an application and they thought they submitted it, but Oracle, uh, it, it did not take an Oracle? Where is that check and balance with that? Again, from what I'm hearing is that they won't receive any uh, additional assistance unless they contact OCP. I'm stating, what if they thought they have, they have submitted this? application uh and, and we're saying it in good faith they thought they submitted this application and then all of a sudden they find out that they were denied because they're not going to find out sounds like until the cdbg process gets ready to roll through they find out they're denied but we're not reaching out to them and say hey you know you forgot your documents uh you did not submit your documents with this or for whatever reason there's no 
Um, and I, and again, I understand the process is the process that we have right now, but I also understand that as lawmakers, we had an opportunity to change that as well in some instances, uh, or try to work on criteria that could be established to ensure that everyone has an opportunity to have access to the, uh, to these grants. Uh, you know, what does that look like, though? What is that communication from us, you know, stating, you know, what can we do, which is within the rules, stating and, and contacting these organizations saying, hey, listen, you scored an 85. Obviously, a group that's scoring an 85 uh, may, and, and we don't know what it is, but they may have intended to submit those documents and something happened. There was a breakdown in the system. There is not a 100% accurate communication or, or computer system, as we know, as we talk on Zoom here every single day. So I'm saying, what what do we do from that point? So through the chair, I'd like to add before Director Eustaw uh, comes in, is that we encourage all of the organizations that apply for funding to apply early, number one, not to wait to the last minute, so that they have the opportunity after they submit, that they can go into the application at any time to review all of the documents that they've submitted. On the application, we encourage all the applicants to name their applications, the exact title of what it is. And that way, when they go back into the Oracle system, they can review that application, determine and use the checklist that's submitted with the application to ensure that all of the documents that they intended to submit are a part of the application process. So, of course, if an organization is uploading their application at two o'clock in the afternoon on the day that is due and the application closes at four o'clock, they won't have time to go back into that application to review to ensure that those documents are inserted in the application. We always encourage in every application workshop, submit your application early, go back in two days later or a day later, make sure using your checklist that you've attached all the documents because once the application closes, it closes and we cannot let you back in unless you experience technical difficulties with your computer. Oracle is designed and set up in such a way that it actually date stamps every single time an organization goes in to review or to add information or upload an application. So that's what we do on the front end. Now I will turn it over to Director Ustaw to explain what they do on the back end. Thank you, and just to follow up again, mm -hmm. and I know this is gonna be a long matter of presence, so I appreciate your indulgence. Through you, uh, just to follow up so we can have clarity when we say they cannot, they cannot go and make changes once the deadline is done, unless there is a technical difficulty. However, if you submitted an application two weeks in advance before the deadline has happened, you still had an opportunity to go back in and submit those documents, just for clarity. That is correct. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Member Dorha. Additional questions? I think I saw your hand, Member Santiago Ramiro. Thank you, Madam President. I just have one brief question. I know that we have folks here that are gonna be making an appeal, but I'm wondering what the appeal process looks like. Um, do people, uh, no right away and they're they able to make a submission has anybody appealed already can you just explain that process to us please yep dr todd i think you mentioned dr todd <laughs> gave you upgrade there <laughs> director todd you mentioned the number of appeals we have to date 
Yes, Madam President, through you to Member Santiago Romero, I believe that we have received five appeals in advance, unless there's something else that came in since this morning. Uh, and they are in the queue in order to be processed as part of the appeals hearing today. Uh, essentially, the appeals process works in much the same way as the discussion that is being had here with the council on specific uh, proposals. We will go back with our colleagues at HRD and OCP and review the specific claim that has been raised, look at everything that was done with that particular proposal. Tomorrow, when you come back for your next deliberative session on this, we will have a report out for the repeals, uh, providing you with our findings, verifying what may have already been stated, or uh, indicating if, in fact, we do find some variance in what was previously uh, submitted. Uh, if need be, we could even go to the detail that I believe uh, Director Stahl is referring to of actually reviewing the uh, Oracle logs to see if that, you know, uh, again, uh, aligns with the claims that may be being made. And again, only those groups that, or those proposals, those 12 proposals that were not recommended for funding uh, have the ability to appeal. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. Just one brief question through you to Mr. Todd. Are we able to know who the five are that are making this appeal, or do you want us to wait till tomorrow for that full report? Madam Chair, again, through Madam President uh, to Member Santiago Romero, that will be part and parcel of the presentation that you get today. You'll have everything today. Okay, thank you so we much. We have an appeals hearing um, after this. Got it. Thanks, everyone. No problem. All right, any additional? Uh, yes, Member Young. Thank you, Madam President. Um, I just wanted to ask this question, to who this may apply, but I just wanted to ask, first of all, let me just begin by saying that um, I have no affiliation with the Coleman and Young Foundation. I have my own education foundation, but I do not receive any remuneration or finance or money. Just want to make that clear, first and foremost. But uh, the question I wanted to ask about the Coleman and Young Foundation is, one, I see they got a low score. I just wanted to know why exactly that was. And then secondly, I wanted to ask um, this. I don't understand why the Coleman A. Young Foundation is ranked as a recreational uh, application when it should be an educational application because its primary goal is a post-secondary education advancement through scholarship. And does that affect its criteria? It's misclassification. You know, I mean, I can imagine if you're going to if you're going to rank a Pinto like a Ford Mustang, you know, it's not going to be successful. You know, you're going to rank a donkey like a racehorse, you know. Oh, my God. Uh, through the chair, we do not classify the organization. The Coleman A. Young classifies its own organization. Okay. They determine what they're going to come in as. Okay. So they mark themselves for that category. Okay. We don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. And, and, and secondly, why did they not make it exactly? What, what was the issue? Um, Coleman A. Young had, uh, through the chair, Coleman A. Young had many uh, issues with their application that gave them several point deductions, and that's the reason why they did not make it through. They uh, just a lot of um, the application that they submitted was just not a quality application. Uh, we've seen better applications from them in the past. They just had a lot of errors on their application. A lot of information was missing. Uh, just a lot of challenges with that application. And then I also just wanted to ask um, two things. One, I wanted to ask, um, have you ever thought about doing an instructional video at all and, and, and posting that online 
or and also partnering up with the media department to be able to do that just so people can actually see what it is you're looking for how you need to fill this out so people cannot make these same mistakes or avoid these same mistakes again um and secondly i just want to ask from, from my understanding it kind of seems like the number one issue that we have here is in terms of these applications are people either not filling them out or not filling them out all the way or making errors when they do fill them out. You know, I would think an instructional video would go a long way that everybody can go to and try to take a look at. I mean, without giving away too much proprietary information or things of that nature, you know what I'm saying? Through the chair, we have that already. Okay. Uh, our workshops are recorded. Okay. They, we go through the application. We show them good uh, questions. We show them how to properly answer that question, and we show them bad examples of what not to do. Okay. And all of that information is stored on our webpage. They can go back and look at that. Even in our PowerPoint presentations, we go through the application and show them what we're looking for and how they need to answer and respond to that question. Okay. Okay. So, 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 okay. So just go to your webpage. Do that. Okay. Yeah. Through the chair, I believe you, uh, that director Ustall is, uh, would yeah. like to respond as well. Yes, through the chair, I just wanted to add um, for the go forward, we have established um, twice a week regular trainings on navigating Oracle um, and that we are working to push out. I believe I've shared some flyers with some um, uh, council members. I'll make sure that it is shared with everybody um, so that uh, more and more we're making sure both on the technical side as well as on you know good proposal writing that um, there is support. Uh, and, and and that will continue. Okay, well, I suggest you also reach out to Troy's media department as well. Thank you, Madam Chair, I'm done. All right, thank you. So I'm gonna now move to our um, hearing for our 205 hearing, which will allow the public to speak. Um, if you have comments around the general process of the Community Development Block Grant or Neighborhood Opportunity Fund, you can speak during this hearing. If you are here to appeal, please hold your comments for the appeals portion of the public hearing. So I'll now call to order our 205 hearing. And uh, Mr. Gulak, do you have anything additional to present or should we move straight to public comment? Uh, thank you, Madam Chair. No, that was a great summary. Uh, groups, uh, I think you're correct. Yeah, groups that recommended for zero, if they could respectfully um, speak during the appeals and groups that were recommended could uh, are free to speak to remind the council how great they are and they could ask for more money, you know, if they want to, but, um, uh, <laughs> we don't want to do that. We have a limited, limited amount of funds here. <laughs> All right. Is there any groups here that would like to speak, uh, for the, uh, hearing overall hearing? Do we have anyone online, any groups or organizations online that would like to speak at this time? Um, Madam President, there are seven hands raised online. Okay, and again, just want to reiterate, if your hand is raised, uh, this is just for the overall hearing of the CDBG process and NOF process. If you are here to appeal, uh, please lower your hand at this time and we will come back to the appeals portion. Um, and Ari, if we have hands that are still raised, we could proceed with our first um, caller and everyone will have a minute for public comment. Madam Chair? Yes. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, so during the appeals, uh, CPC staff will often give a little introduction for the group, but for the public hearing, it's up to you whether you want 
the LPD staff to give a little update on you know who the group is and how much they're recommended for. It's up to you. Um, sure. Once the group comes on and announces who they are. Okay. All right. Our first group. Um, okay, Madam President, the first caller is Black Jesus, um, and I will share the screen momentarily. Okay, um, the first caller is Black Jesus. Okay. Yeah, um, I want to address the, I would like to address the entire city council about this hearing you just held. Um, what I'm understanding now, and um, I've been doing extensive research into this uh, grant, block grant situation. You got a LLC, I mean, a building over in Midtown has 35 LLCs. A number of them have received block grant money. So I'm wondering, um, this hearing, this scoring process that you have, um, I'm looking at everything in the city of Detroit now, and this whole city, including this hearing in this council, this place is getting run, the city of Detroit is getting run like a criminal enterprise. Now, there's been um, a talk of these block grant funding. Where is this money allocated and where does it sit before it's doled out? Um, and that brings to question the uh, bond money. Where does it sit and how much money is in that account right now presently? Can the citizens know how much money is in the bond account? Thank you. The next caller is Karen Winston. Hello? Yes, we can hear you. Okay, great. Um, I, I'm just confused about, um, about these funds. Um, I think it was 19 and 20, we were using this, um, these funds to pay off uh, the Section 108 loans. Excuse me. And um, it seems like to me, this is this is a lot to go through for this. But when we get to these big million billionaires, we go quick. We can do that really fast, real rapid. So uh, do we judge the, the you know, like the Gilberts and the Illiches the same way? Do we do that? I don't think so. So I don't see why we have to put so much, you know, we're talking about the scoring. What's the scoring process for those, you know, when we give that money away, you know, those tax abatements away. It just always seems like, the, you know, the uh, resident is on the short end of the stick when it comes to uh, being able to reap any uh, benefits from any type of grant or loan. Thanks. All right. Thank you. The next caller is Kimberly Williams. Good afternoon to the city council. My name is Kimberly Williams. I'm the executive director for Dominican Literacy Center. And um, we have been providing adult basic education on the east side of Detroit since 1989. Uh, we are one of the um, organizations recommended for funding. So we want to thank you for that. We've been providing 
we provide free private tutoring for adults, which would be very expensive as private tutoring uh, starts at $49 an hour. For our student population, 98% of whom are low income, this will be a significant expense and a barrier to furthering their uh, education. Um, by receiving funding from NOF and CDBG, that means our students never pay a dime for tutoring, for classes taught by licensed, experienced instructors. Um, they never pay anything for materials such as textbooks, calculators, laptops, or, or online self-paced software. So I've come to thank you for recommending us for funding and we're gonna continue all right, thank you. The next caller is Rico Hook. Good afternoon. You said Rico Hook. You have the floor? Correct. All right, if we can come back to this caller, please. The next caller is phone number ending in 711. Good afternoon, Malik Shelton. Detroit has a, approximately a dozen section 108 loans out to high-end business businesses in downtown Detroit hotels. Many of these uh, entities have defaulted on the loans. Whenever Section 108 loans are defaulted on, then HUD takes the money out of the next year's Community Development Block Grants. And so I brought this to the attention of Duggan as well as R. Jemison when he used to be here, and they didn't have any satisfactory answers. In fact, I have discovered through my research that they've also, the city has also been loaning our money to some of these same entities who are either in default or they are delinquent on these loans. This situation with, uh, I don't buy for a minute, this situation with uh, Cuba Line is, as well as the uh, Coleman Young Foundation nonprofit. You have these other entities that they keep getting these CDBG grants, no matter what, like Freedom House. All right, thank you, Mr. Shelton. The next caller is Larry Brown. Good afternoon, Mr. Brown. All right, are you showing that he is on and unmuted? Uh, yes, Madam President, he is on and I asked to unmute, but it looks like uh, he has not unmuted himself. Do we have any other uh, callers? Uh, it appears he just unmuted himself. All right, go back to Mr. Brown. Good afternoon, Mr. Brown. 
All right, Ari, do we have any callers? And we can come back to Mr. Brown one more time. Yes, uh, the next caller is Courtney Smith. Okay. Good afternoon, um, Madam President and the Detroit City Council. My name is Courtney Smith, and I'm the CEO of the Detroit Phoenix Center. We provide critical resources and support to youth that are housing or home um, insecure. We also partner with these young people to drive systems change. We are very grateful for the recommendation of funding. Last year, we were not recommended due to missing documents. And this year, we attended the workshops and took advantage of the technical assistance. So I just want to say thank you for that. And we're excited to serve our community with these critical resources. All right. Thank you so much, uh, Ms. Smith. The next caller is phone number ending in 126. Good afternoon, caller 126. Hello? Yes, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. I'm Pastor Cassandra Smith of Second Chance Covenant Ministry, which we are a 501c3. And we recently applied for the Community Development Grant to help us support our senior care services, along with our door-to-door -door distribution service. And we also pr provide wraparound services for mental health. Uh, because so many of our seniors are experiencing anxiety, stress, loneliness, as well as they're just living in fear. So therefore, what we do, we have a lunch and learn program, which is a one-on-one -on -one service, okay, to reassure them that they are not forgotten. And we have the pleasure, we have pleasure of uh, partnership with vendors, I'm sorry, in the Metro uh, Detroit area and our senior community services are in the historic district, which is Brush Park Manor, Friendship Manor, also Ellis Manor. So we are touching many lives and servicing to our. All right, thank you. Ari, do we have anyone else? I apologize, Madam President, I was muted. The next caller is Rico Hook. All right, Mr. Hook, we are going to wait for a couple of more seconds. I know we've come back to you twice now. Um, if you are not able to come on, if you can please submit your comments to the clerk's office and we will make sure that your public comment is entered into the record. Going once, Mr. Hook. Going twice. All right, we will move on from Mr. Hook. Do we have anyone else that is waiting? Uh, yes, the last caller is Rhonda Adams. Hello, everyone. My, uh, my name is Rhonda Adams. I'm with Businessmen and Women's Social Club Detroit, and we are looking to do some real nice things uh, with this opportunity with the CBG NOF uh, in the near future in reference to new development projects that's coming from the grassroots here 
Um, one of the things we do advocate for, too, is for uh, loose fundings. We like to say with the development companies, getting the uh, actual understanding that the benefit is definitely necessary for our community to work together to build our own projects. And so um, we are uh, advocating with uh, the ATL Police Foundation to uh, stop some of these uh Organization or contractors that's coming in here, uh, destroying certain things through uh, Cop City uh, projects. So just hopefully uh, you all can check into that with Grass and Gory. Um, that is a corporate contractor that uh, has a lot of Cop City projects around dozens of active construction sites in this in the country, and they are not for us. So they have. All right. All right. Thank you. So we will now um, close out our 205 uh, public hearing and now call to order our 1010 uh, appeals hearing to order. And uh, Director Todd, I'm going to have you open up and just uh, again briefly mention the organizations that have appealed to date and then we can move into the appeals portion. Thank you, Madam President. If you don't mind, I'd like to yield to Mr. Gulak. I believe he has the most okay. current information. Thank you. Mr. Gulak. Yeah, thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, yeah, we did notify groups two weeks ago about that the chart was completed and they did the hearing would be today and they had a right to appeal and please fill out an appeals form. We did receive uh, five to date. Uh, we did forward them to city clerk's office as well, so they have a record. Uh, so if anyone turns one today into the um, uh, at the council chamber, it should also be submitted to the clerk. Uh, the first one we received was uh, Teen Hype, which is applying for recreation. The second one is a Mosaic, which is uh, applying for recreation as well. The third is Ekibalan Village, which is applying for recreation. Uh, the fourth was the Komene Young Foundation, applying for recreation as well. I believe that those are, oh, and then also Second Chance. We did receive a um, appeal from Second Chance as well. And I think they're applying for uh, senior. And that's it, Madam Chair. All right. Thank you. If there are uh, no questions or comments from my colleagues, we'll go straight to um, the public hearing to heal, hear from the organizations that would like to appeal. Uh, and we will start with the individuals that are here in the room that would like to speak. All right. If you can just um, turn the, touch the bottom of the microphone. Oh, she has it for you. Yep. Just state your name and organization. Hi, I'm Amber Redrick. I serve as the CEO for Teen Hype. Good afternoon. All right, good afternoon. If we can start the clock, everyone will have a minute for public comment. Uh, thank you, council members, for asking really thoughtful questions. I appreciate it. I just want you to know that we did upload all of the required documents. The application that we received did not have an appendix asking for any attachments. They have had that in the past, but we thought that maybe with all of the updates that the city of Detroit was doing that they did not need these um, documents this time. Also, the documents that they asked for oftentimes overlap. So if I turn in articles of incorporation, it's the same articles of incorporation and we were already currently funded. So we thought we didn't need to turn it in again. We could have easily turned it in if somebody would have asked us. Thank you for your consideration. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, are you, are you, are you going to speak as well? Okay, go ahead. You can sit right where you are. <laughs> Greetings, Madam Chair, um, council members, and community. Uh, I'm Dee Lachey Strotter, Executive and Artistic Director of Mosaic Theater of Detroit. 
Um, I thank you for the time to be able to speak to you on today as stellar stewards of the community's resources. Um, as indicated by Amber, we are in the same situation. Um, it says that we did not upload documents that we thought for sure that we did. Uh, their uh, Oracle is a very challenging system, as your um, fellow colleagues have uh, indicated, as well as several community members who use the resource have also indicated. Um, if given the opportunity to resubmit those materials, we would absolutely be willing to do so, so that we can continue to create equity for Detroit area youth through the arts, leadership, life skills, and college and career pathways programming. Thank you. All right, thank you. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Everyone. My name is Jennifer Collins. I'm a parent um, of a child in the Teen Hype program, and I would just like to say a few things about Teen Hype and why we desperately need this money, and we appreciate your time and your effort. And so um, Teen Hype is a great formative organization which has helped my children. I have three children in the organization, well, that was in the organization. My last child is a senior and this is her last year. And I have had the opportunity to participate in, well, she's had the opportunity and I've just been on the sidelines as a cheerleader, cheering her on for this wonderful program. But um, it has helped her with her, her public speaking, confidence, peer-to-peer -peer contact. Teen Hype serves as refuge for students and also teaches life skills that many of our black students are not getting every day in the public school system. Outside of programming, Teen Hype also provides work internship programs that my daughter has had the opportunity to participate in, and she will be going to college. And I'm just here to say that Teen Hype has been very instrumental in her future and we appreciate and we appreciate everything and the opportunity to be here to get the funding. All right, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Do we have anyone else here in the Committee of a Whole that would like to speak? All right. Uh, we will go now back to our virtual callers. Again, this is for the appeals portion. This should be for organizations that would like to appeal uh, the decisions that have been made to date. Madam President, there are five hands raised, um, some of which spoke earlier during public comment as well. The first caller is Carrie Turner. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Excellent. Thank you, Madam Chair and, and members of the council. This is Kari Turner, Executive Director for Coleman A. Young Foundation. Uh, we are appealing because uh, uh, we uh, get funding for CDBG for our Real Skills Program, which is our out-of-school program that combines access to uh, early uh, collegiate environments with physical wellness, mental wellness, and so on. Last year, we scored 80 on an application that we updated to include uh, some information about how we've continued to recover from COVID this year. Um, I would like to know more about the errors that were made because we always want to try to improve. Uh, but we have a longstanding relationship with CDBG uh, that has produced executives, executive directors, and creators of hit TV shows, uh, 
reporters who are on the ground in Ukraine and so on. Uh, we consider CDBG to be intrinsic to the fabric of our programming. We would love uh, to be reconsidered for funding uh, and we will continue to get better. All right, thank you so much. The next caller is Gina Tall or Gianna Tall. Yes, thank you. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. All right, thank you. Um, we are very happy here at Disability Network to say that we kicked off our 22 um, CDBG funds and programming. However, we um, failed in the 23-24 after careful review. There was a, a particular question about being um, funded for 22 or being funded previously. That was on 812 that we received our um, award letter and this uh, award or this new program information was required around September the 30th. So that was one um, error that we should have stated that we did not have existing funding and there was some issues with that. However, we met the threshold and we also did a pilot program with our core funding when we found out that we were recommended for funding in the spring. Um, however, we have 43 communities that we have to um, provide funding for. All right, thank you. The next caller is Black Jesus. Yeah, so before, I don't know before we move forward with um, the next caller, just clarity to either Mr. Todd or to Mr. Gulak or even Dr. Powers, only organizations should be speaking at this time who are appealing the decision. Is that correct? Or anyone can speak at this time? Madam President. Um, I'll, I'll try to answer that if no one else is saying anything. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was my understanding, <clears throat> excuse me, that these were to be um, the organizations speaking and okay. that the general public would okay. speak later. But okay. every year I get confused in yeah. these hearings. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Todd, did you have anything additional? Certainly, Madam President. Yes, again, to confirm. As this is the official appeals hearing for CDBG NOF, only those groups or entities that participated in the process okay. can participate and specifically only those that were recommended zero for funding. All right, thank you so much for the clarification. All right, so um, do we have any additional groups, Ari? So there are three hands raised, although it, it, I'm, it's hard for me to identify whether okay. they are Let's proceed part of the and appeals we can process. tell once they come on. Okay, the next caller is phone number ending in 126. Okay. Good afternoon, caller 126. Good afternoon, I'm Pastor Cassandra Smith, and we received a, a Second Chance Covenant Ministry. We are a 501c3, and we received the notification that we did not have uh, enough board members. We do have six board members. However, what there was a tragic death for the secretary, and so our vice president acted as the temporary secretary until that um, was handled. And also, so we appreciate any reconsideration for this community grant, which would help us to continue our senior mission 
to reach out to the masses in, in Metro Detroit. Thank you so much for your time and consideration and this opportunity to address my concern. Thank you. We didn't receive any other notification of a problem with scoring, uh, just, just a blank statement that we did not have enough board members. That's why we were disqualified. All right. All right. Thank you so much. The next caller is Greg McKenzie. Good afternoon, esteemed members of the city council. My name is Greg McKenzie, and I'm here on behalf of Alkibalon Village. Organization has been providing youth development and cultural enrichment services to the city of Detroit for decades. In fact, this year, Alkibalon is celebrating its 45th anniversary of being an integral part of the Detroit community, serving over 300,000 individuals and families through programs and services. Our commitment to the city has been unwavering, and we're proud to be part of some of the city's most significant moments. We're here today because we're seeking an exception to the scoring rule for missing two points of the threshold. We believe that our longstanding service and impact to the community should be taken into consideration when evaluating our proposal. Uh, we played a significant role in the world's largest Kwanzaa Kanara, which cast a positive light on the city, as well as providing youth development to countless young peoples over the course of our history. So we thank you for, for this time to hear us and hope for reconsideration. All right, thank you. The final caller with their hands raised is Danielle Knox. Good afternoon, can you hear me? Yes, we can, good afternoon. Oh, good afternoon. Hi, I'm also here representing Alkibalon Village and we are appealing as my um, esteemed co-worker Gregory McKenzie stated because we were short two points of meeting the scoring threshold. It seemed as if we met all of the other criteria and I just wanted to state that um, in the past, we have actually sat down and spoke with Gordon Pearson from HRD regarding previous applications so that we can help to increase our score. So, you know, we haven't been given any details as to why we were short the two points. So we thank you for your consideration. All right, thank you. All right, so that will conclude all of the public comment from the organizations that have appealed. Um, and Director Todd, I would like you to explain the process. I know that notes were taken during the public comment portion, and now you all go back and kind of gather everything and reassess uh, based on comments that were made today and then come back tomorrow with a recommendation to the City Council. Yes, Madam President, that is correct. We will take into account everything that was stated today as well as the direction coming from your honorable body and we will review all of the appeals. We will prepare a report on each and every one, uh, place that in a chart, mm -hmm. and then provide that with you as early as we can tomorrow. Uh, it may well be just before the committee starts, but hopefully we can provide it to you earlier, give you the opportunity to review and maybe even raise questions with us in advance. We would hope to have, uh, again, the necessary individuals from our partner agencies um, you know, whether it's Director Stahl or uh, Elizabeth Johnson, who is, I believe, the purchasing uh, person with this, uh, who could also be available to answer additional questions. But we will provide you with our findings, our recommendation. We would look for you to take action on that appeals chart tomorrow, and then from there you could begin to deal with the awarded 
uh, recommendations for uh, uh, for the groups that were awarded funds. All right, thank you. Um, Council Member Benson and then Protem Tate. All right, thank you. And uh, to yourself, so on the appeals process, for those groups who missed the threshold by 2%, will they be rescored just to verify accuracy as part of the appeals process? Yes, I believe that we will uh, review, as um, Ms. Fontaine mentioned earlier, where there was a consensus review. We can go through all of this original scoring, everything that led up to the decision that was made, and determine whether or not there was any error based upon the direction of council and the commentary that was provided uh, by the um, by the organizations. Through the chair, I'd like to also um, inform you that if we are being asked to, to rescore or review a score for one organization, then we have to go back and rescore every single organization. Um, we cannot just, excuse me, score one organization. If you're asking for us to go back and review Alcubalan, we have to go back and review and rescore every single organization. So through the, through the chair, just to be clear, what I'm asking about is the appeals process. And so if you're appealing and you have dropped by 2% below the threshold, then what is the appeals process for those groups? So my request was to find out what is going to happen. And my question was, are you going to rescore or review how to verify accuracy in that score. I'm not sure what the process is. And so if you have a description of what you plan to do as part of the appeals process, I, I'd like to hear that. Through the chair, as part of the appeals process, if you're asking us to rescore and review an application from an organization, it requires that we review and rescore all of the applications. So I want to be very clear. I think maybe I'm not being heard. My question okay. is, what are you going to do as part of the appeals process. This group has appealed. And so now what I haven't appeals. heard is, I'll finish please. What I mm -hmm. haven't heard is what you plan to do as part of the appeals process. Is it a rescore? Is it a relook? I mean, so what? what is the process for, if I appeal, I'm 2% below, what's my appeal process? As for, through the chair, for this particular organization, if we are referring to Alkibalan, Alkibalan scored a 78. Their uh, application and their score is set. There is no other recourse for that organization because they have been scored and the score has been set. It's been a uh, consensus has been taken. That consensus is agreed upon across the uh, scoring, um, the, or uh, the organizations, not the organizations, but the individuals that were a part of the scoring process. Their score is set. They would not be allowed back in to the application process. Okay. Madam President, Mr. Todd. Director Todd. Thank you, Madam President. In concurrence with what Ms. Hardy stated, what I was indicating was that we're essentially going to verify the work that we've done. That's the, that, that, that is typically what we're looking for in the appeals process to see if in fact there was any error. I believe again, to the extent that this particular item has been discussed and colleagues have weighed in, Ms. Hardy is probably accurate given that we've also had time to look at this as we, in, in advance of the hearing today, uh, having had discussions with Akibalan. Um, but again, the process, generally speaking, is to review the work that has been done to verify that it was done correctly, it was done accurately. And from that point, again, Ms. Hardy, uh, Ms. Fontaine is, is, is accurate. If it meets the 
parameters of the procurement process to this point, um, the only way to change it for any single group would be to change it for all the groups and to go back and redo the entire process. If again, to just to be clear, the request was to rescore. I, I didn't understand that you were asking for rescoring, Mr. Benson. I thought I was hearing review. So my so as for for me as part of the appeals process, if my score is seventy eight two percent below, the only thought that I would have as a person who submitted that application was, well, maybe there was some type of error addition that the appeals process will result in a review. Right. Were, was the addition done correctly? Did you score correctly? Right. And so, but what I'm hearing is because you've had your, your, your conversations and your consensus prior to coming to us in the appeals process, that that's not even possible. So then I would say, then what is the purpose of the appeals process? Because it sounds like even though we are here and have an appeals process, that there really is no recourse for any of these groups is what I am hearing. Through, again, through the chair, what you stated initially is the case. What I was saying is that because we have received this information in advance of the appeal, we have already looked at it. Mm -hmm. That's all I'm saying. But, but you are correct. What the appeals process is intended to do is for us to look back to see if there were any errors in the review process that may have led to uh, an errant recommendation. And so for me, if a group, if there's an application that says, would you like to appeal this, this, this notice that you have failed? Yes, I would. So I failed because I dropped two points below the threshold, 2%. I submitted all the required documentation. Please just go back and look again. But what I heard was, we're not going to do that. I also heard that if he wants to do that, we've got to do everybody. Now, if the appeals process requires you all, and I don't think this will be an efficient use of time, to go back and rescore everybody, because one group says, just please go back and take a look and verify, as part of the appeals process, that the addition was done correctly. But if you can't just do that basic thing, then yeah, then go ahead and uh, rescore everybody, I would guess. Or just go back and review to make sure the addition was done properly for everybody. But if I take the time to at least make the appeal, mm -hmm. bring my youth and my constituents down here just to verify that maybe the 78 or the 75 that I received, maybe you all did do a, a miscalculation. That to me doesn't sound like I'm asking you to rescore, but just to verify as part of the appeals process, which I would think would be a basic part of the appeals process. Yes. Didn't say rescore, just said review to make sure that your math was correct. Exactly. And through the, the chair. chair. That's how I that's how I took it. That you're asking us to review. That is the way the process has been traditionally, that we're verifying what was done. But what I heard was okay. no, we're not gonna do that. That's what I heard. Am I correct? Through the, chair, through the chair, what you heard was me saying that we cannot go back and rescore. That's what I heard you asked for. If you're asking us just to review to make sure that the numbers were added up properly, of course we can do that. That's not a problem. That would be done by LPD in the Office of Contracts and Procurement. That can be done. What I heard you say, though, is that can you review and rescore? That's what I heard you say. I was reacting or responding to the word rescore. If you're asking us just to go back and review to make sure that all the numbers added up, yes, that is possible. Okay, so I, I just want to be very clear. Rescoring would sound a bit improper. Reviewing to verify that the addition is accurate sounds to be like a routine part of a 
appeals process, which is what I'm asking for. If the groups Correct. have come down, maybe taking the energy and time to do that, and a simple rescore. Maybe it results in something, maybe it doesn't, but at least give the opportunity since we're, this is part of the appeals process. And through the chair, we are on the same page, we, we agree. Re oh, we score. I, I apologize review. for the slip of the tongue. Review. review. I said we score, I believe would be improper. Review. Thank you, <laughs> through the chair. And we will do that. All right, cool. Thank you. Thank you, Member Benson. Uh, President Posham, you good? Yeah, so it was more about the uh, public comment section tomorrow. I mean, uh, we know that today there was very narrow scope for at least one of the hearings. Uh, tomorrow, once we reconvene and, and go through the process, is there any um, any pro prohibitions for discussion? Uh, do, is it only for – so we let folks know this in advance. We'll call it in. Is it only for entities who have been scored? Is it only for entities who have been scored and who have been denied funding? Uh, just, again, understanding in advance, so folks who are listening, because we know there's probably going to be some who are with us joining us today who are going to join us again tomorrow. And if they're potentially denied the ability to speak, want them to know clearly why. Through the chair then to President Pro Tem Tate, we... Uh, as has been the practice in the past, once these two hearings, the general hearing and the appeals hearing, are complete, the opportunity to speak formally on that uh, those items um, is, is, is essentially seen as past. Tomorrow you will begin your deliberative process, and again, the first order of business will be to address the appeals. When it comes to public comment, as is the case with any general public comment on any other council session, certainly it's open. They can speak to it. But there would be no opportunity specifically set aside for any, any, any of the groups to uh, speak to either the appeals or the specifics of the um, NOF recommendations, again, other than general public comment. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you for that clarification. All right. Uh, yes, Member Johnson. Thank you, Madam President. Just very briefly, um, to respond to a couple of the organizations that appealed, does the Oracle system allow for um, items like the 501c3 determination or the Articles of Incorporation to stay with that organization so they don't have to continually upload it? It's because it's something that doesn't change. Uh, through the chair, every application period requires the documentation to be uploaded each and every time. Uh, per law, uh, every contract has to have those documentations. It's a new application period, so we require that documentation. What we often say to the applicants is to put those documents in a file folder um, that is easily accessible, accessible. go ahead and, and, and convert it into a, a PDF and keep it uh, handy so that you can upload those documents because we ask for the same documents every year. I've been with the city since 2016 and every year since 2016 and prior to that, we've asked for the exact same documents. So those organizations that presented today that made the comment that they submitted it before every single year, those documents have to be submitted for every new application period for every single contract or every single um, uh, bid that goes out for the city of Detroit, those same documents must be submitted for toward the application. It's part of the procurement policy. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, one more question um, through the chair. So, the the essentially, um, I saw Director Todd shaking his head no to my question um, because those documents don't change. So it's almost like you enter your address into the system. Your address is not changing. Uh, and so you have a unique uh, account set up within Oracle. There's nowhere for you to upload that information and for it to be a part of your file. Through, uh, I, through the chair, um, that would be a question for the Office of Contracts and Procurement. I just know that for every single new bid, documentation has to be uploaded to the Oracle system. Uh, the Our uh, procurement policy dictates what that is, and you would need to uh, have Director Ustall have uh, talk more about that process and those policies. And so, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to make sure she is. Is Director Stahl on? Yes, yes, through the chair. Um, uh, if I heard the question correctly, it was asking whether required documents are required to be uploaded with every individual bid. Is that correct? It, through through you, Madam President, to Director Stahl, it, it's more or less in regards to the documentation that does not change. Um, I understand an annual report because the organization would need to complete that on an annual basis. I understand the certificate of good standing because they would need to get that information from the IRS to be able to provide it to you. However, the 501c3 determination letter and the articles of incorporation are two things that do not change. So um, to the chair, I can speak broadly uh, about there is a supplier profile um, function in Oracle. We are working on getting better use out of that, where we could store um, organizational information that either does not change or even if it does expire annually, it could be kept in one place if an organization is bidding on multiple bids. Um, that has not yet been implemented, and um, but is uh, very much in discussion um, as a way to reduce friction for bidders. Um, currently, uh, if, you know, if there is a required document that is part of the bid package, it would need to be submitted at the time of bid. Thank you, Director Stahl. And if you can keep us updated on um, the use of that tool uh, within Oracle, that would be great because, I mean, to hear two organizations say that that information was omitted or that they had submitted it, but it had not been received, um, recognizing that half of it if it was in a previous application, it's still applicable, right? Um, so I think that would be a relief for some organizations to know that this information stays in the system and that these, these things that change, just like your program might change, is what they are responding to. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. All right. Thank you, Member Johnson. Uh, President Pro Tem Tate. Yep, thank you. And building on that, since, uh, you know, the question is, as we now approach the the budget. Is that a budgetary issue that will help get that uh, item uh, completed, or is it more a matter of will, desire, time? I would say there uh, through the chair, there is a lot of will and desire. It is a massive behavioral change, procedural and logistical change. 
And so, um, and, uh, and, and some tinkering on the um, Oracle side uh, to make sure that we do this in a way that doesn't disrupt ongoing bids and um, contract uh, uh, contracting projects uh, and doesn't cause um, confusion and hardship for vendors and is rolled out in a measured and standardized process or in a way, manner. We've had some bumps in some changes uh, recently implemented, um, and I don't want to cause unnecessary uh, confusion and disruption to vendors. So so what it sounds like, again, and I didn't hear a budget at all in there. <laughs> so um, uh, as we I, move forward, and I understand that this process would would benefit not just the CDBG, uh, situation, but across the board. Um, but let's, you know, fast forward a year from now. Are we anticipating having that system being uh, Oracle being able to do that? I uh, through the chair, I would be very disappointed in myself if a year from now we were not we we did not have that implemented. I will note that there was a contract that came before City Council earlier. Our main um, uh, company that supports changes to Oracle. So there, uh, there may be some uh, something that comes up again um, regarding that aspect. Okay. Well, we're certainly looking forward to to hearing the update. And if you would uh, oblige us in allowing us to learn the information before we need to learn the information, if you know what I mean. So just yes, let sir. us keep, yes, us keep us up, up to date, please. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Any additional comments, questions, colleagues? All right. Hearing none to the staff, any additional comments? No? All right. All right, so uh, we will conclude our hearing for today. I want to thank all of the organizations that took the time to come down and also call in online. Keep up the incredible work that you all are doing. Uh, we will reconvene tomorrow to take up this issue to see if there's any room for city council to move forward on any of the appeals request. Um, and I know, Dr. Powers, you're coming on because we still have general public comment right <laughs> all right so we will turn it over to general public comment everyone will have one minute or you can proceed good afternoon madam president uh there are currently three hands raised the first caller is black jesus <laughs> yeah i noticed y'all talk a lot of talk about all this other stuff, but it get quiet when that bond matter come up. Now, I want to know how much money is in that bond account right now. As a citizen, I should be afforded to know how much money was taken out illegally. Mary Sheffield, James Tate, Scott Benson, y'all the ones that approved it. And then, uh, furthermore, but this city is getting ran like a criminal enterprise. When you take out hundreds of millions of dollars in loans, and don't tell nobody. Every bond issue requires either a public hearing, a public notice, or voter approval taken to the ballot. Every single one of them. There are no restrictions on not informing the public when you take out loans, especially the ones on their property. Now, how much money is in that bank account? And where, where is all the money that's been taken out? What is it spent for? We want need a full accounting of every last damn dime. All right, thank you. The next caller is Rico Rico.
every last dime. All right. We have already heard from uh, Mr. Crawley. <laughs> the the next caller is Karen Winston. All right. Hello. Yes. Good afternoon. Yeah. Good afternoon. You guys um, getting we getting the butter from the duck, like my mom would say today. You guys working today. That's a good thing. Um, I like to speak on 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 my pension again because I'm never going to get tired of asking for my pension to be restored because it should have been restored already. We need someone to actually look into that, um, into the issue uh, and uh, try to figure out why um, uh, Mr. Dugan and Mr. Corley too are saying reverse of what's actually going on. So, um, you know, because you got to fund your pensions as you go. So that means you're funding ours, legacy pensions that were funded years ago and you're funding now the ones after the second tier two or whatever they are. So somebody needs to take care of that because, you know, it's going to turn into something nasty when, you know, people see other guys getting huge raise, uh, raises. The governor put $750 million into the state pension. So surely uh, the city retirees could be restored. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Ms. Winston. The last caller is CC. Good afternoon, Honorable Body. Uh, can you hear me? Yes, we can. May I speak? Yes. Thank you. Um, I think the money for our youth, most of it should go to uh, Mosaic. I think that's an, a wonderful organization. I don't know how come they didn't make it in the Coleman Young Fund. Um, our funds are not being distributed properly or even um, there's some disparity in who's getting the money and what they're doing with it. I like a closer look at how these funds are being distributed because I know that uh, Sheila Cockrell got an awful lot of uh, CDBG money, and I absolutely know that she probably does not qualify for all that Title I money she got, and we would be able to fund all of these organizations. You also have $230 million that you don't have to hand over to the mayor that you can fund some of these things during budget period. Um, he says his agenda is what we need. I say none of what he has on his agenda is what we need. It's what he wants. Thank you. Thank you. All right. I think that was our last caller, correct? Uh, yes, Madam President. All right. So that will end our public comment. And if there is nothing else to come before this committee, Again, thank you all. Drive safe. I know that I heard the roads are getting pretty bad out there, so be careful. Be safe. Thank you for coming down. Uh, this meeting will stand adjourned, and we will reconvene tomorrow at 2 p.m. Thank you.